I certainly want to add my welcome to you and my delight to be back at my other home here on this Spirit Rock land. I pulled in from the Sierra foothills rather late last night and got out of my car and there were the stars and that particular quality of the air here in West Marin where I've lived so much of my life and I just thought, oh, so happy to be here for the next few days. So uh, we talk about sometimes these Brahma Viharas or divine abodes, this loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy and equanimity. Uh, they're cultivation practices, meaning we can train in them. And it's very much what we're here for during this two-day non-residential retreat. But they're also fruition. Loving-kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity are available when our hearts are open, our minds are clear, our nervous systems are settled, and all is well. And that was very much the experience of kind of pulling myself out of my vehicle after a three-hour drive, after a full day of teaching last night. It's just like that drag moment that you feel. And then all of a sudden, the sky. And I was like, oh, I just felt that heartfulness. So I mentioned that at the beginning because while we will be learning or cultivating more deeply these techniques and these tools, and they're very useful, please keep on the lookout for just moments of grace. Moments when the mind settles down and some of these habitual tendencies just aren't manifesting in the moment. And what's there? Usually it's quite beautiful. But sometimes it's so simple that we don't even catch it. We're so quickly on to the next habit pattern, the next hook, which is much more compelling than a moment of simple peace and ease. So be on the lookout. I've been reading some recently by Pico Ayer, the the great kind of sage travel writer, world, world, I was going to say world traveler, think of him kind of as a world being, meaning his ethnicity is Indian, he was born in Britain, he's lived in the U.S. for the last 50 years, and he has a million, yes, a million frequent flyer traveler miles just on United. (laughs) Those aren't his other traveler miles. So, been around, I've been reading him recently, I found this quote, Almost everyone I know has this sense of overdosing on information and getting dizzy living at post-human speeds. Post-human speeds. <laughs> Nearly everyone I know does something to try to remove herself, to clear her head, to have enough time and space to think. All of us instinctively feel that something inside us is crying out for more spaciousness and more stillness to offset the exhilarations of this movement in the fun and diversification of the modern world. So yes, it's exhilarating. Yes, it's fun. And yes, we need these times, like these two-day non-residential retreats, which include spaciousness and stillness, more simplicity, not just during the daytime while we're here, but at home as well. That's the great invitation of retreats like this.
introducing or perhaps for many of us reintroducing this metta. And the word metta, of course, was translated into the old English language a century ago, give or take, into this English word loving kindness. As we have grown the English language and it keeps evolving and we have, we could say, more nuanced translations of the word metta, we're starting to come into the terrain of language for this word like friendliness, goodwill, other cousins, benevolence. And I like to include several words for the word metta because when I started metta practice many, many years ago, not very many people were doing it. And certainly not very many people my age at that time were doing it. And I heard this, okay, do metta. It's loving kindness. And I thought, loving kindness? That sounds like an awfully high bar. Then I heard something about the categories of the muses, that we start with ourselves, loving kindness towards me. That was during a time when I was in a deep, deep pit of this dynamic of the judgmental mind that I called not good enough. Just anything related with me was not good enough. So then I'm supposed to offer myself loving kindness. It felt like a pretty high bar. And then I discovered that after that, I was going to be invited to include within this field of loving kindness uh, a mentor, a good friend, someone I didn't know so well, and then a difficult person. I thought, loving kindness for a difficult person? I had some very difficult people in my life at that time. And of course, they were difficult because they were difficult for me. They weren't difficult because they came out of the womb with a sign on their head that said, I am a difficult person. <laughs> But they were difficult for me. And then I discovered that the invitation would be to expand into all beings without exception, this loving kindness. And at that time, I was just beginning to shine the light of awareness onto a dynamic in my being that we call in psychological terms codependence. And man, I had a near fatal case of that one. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Recovery is possible. I, I really am here to say that. It took a lot of work, a lot of practice. But so it just felt like, wow, loving kindness, I don't know, it seems like a lot. But when finally somebody said to me, how about just metta as basic friendliness? I thought, oh, I know what it feels like to be friendly. I know what it feels like to be friendly to me and to someone I know and to someone I don't know so well. I've even had moments when I've been friendly to somebody who was difficult because it seemed like the right thing to do at the time. You know? And I could extend friendliness to all beings. I don't have to like deplete myself, it's just friendly. So for me, it was that word. That was a very much a doorway in. For you, use whatever word you like as a doorway in. It's not about the language, it's about the doorway. So, all of these Brahma-vihara, or divine abode, flavors, in terms of the training, have some similar characteristics. They all involve wishing one of these flavors of the awakening mind to these different categories that I mentioned. There's a few deviations we'll get into. 
And so because we have different ways that we wish, uh, we need wish is. And so the kind of the ground of the technique of these practices are intentional phrases of well-wishing with whatever flavor in the foreground. You know, the wishing for compassion, the wishing for joy, the wishing for equanimity or loving kindness. And what we know about intention, which is different than hoping and wishing or goal setting or all of this, is that we're inclining the mind in a certain direction. So right now we're introducing metta, so we're inclining the mind towards friendliness, towards benevolence, towards goodwill. If we're inclining the mind that way, and we can talk about it as the mind heart, you know, in, in Thailand, and very much my um, Buddhist tradition comes out of Thailand, if you ask somebody in Thailand to point to their mind, where's your mind? They point right here to the heart, this chitta, this mind heart. So we're inclining the mind heart towards benevolence, then it's less likely to be inclined t- into judgment, agitation, or anything else, name your favorite, difficult mind state. It's less likely to be going there. Now, how and when the metta emerges and shines forth is part of what we call the mystery. Meaning I can't say now I'm going to send phrases and immediately I'm going to have this upwelling of exactly what the biggest sense of loving kindness means for me doesn't work that way because it's inclining. So one of my favorite non-traditional metaphrases uh, is this, may I trust in the unfolding. And it's a kind reminder that I am not in charge of the show, but I can incline. So it's not passive. There's a relationship there with the practice, but it's also not I'm choreographing this dance. The dance is dancing itself. How do I become in harmony with the dance that's already happening? We're just plugging in. And in fact, those of us that have practiced metta for a while or any of these Brahma Viharas know that sometimes what happens when we incline the mind using intentional phrases, and if you're curious and new to all this, What intentional phrases might Heather be referring to? We have a handout. We love handouts. Donald and I are both lifelong educators, so you get the the educational bonus (laughs) uh, from that prior training that we both have. So here's what I want to say. If you've practiced metta before and you have phrases that you know by heart, please use those. And don't worry, oh, I see this phrase on the handout that looks so nice. Maybe I'll just redo my whole phrases. It's like the neural pathway is already set in the brain of the phrases that you've chosen that you've repeated so much that they're like a lullaby for you almost, you know, or just something that's that's comfortable, comforting. Just let that groove be there. Um, We say, if you're new, choose three or four of these phrases Trust that they're good enough. Practice with them all day and see what happens. You can fine-tune them later, but what if you just trusted the unfolding, chose three or four? Often, there are some kind of tones or flavors to the three or four. 
in the tradition, often the first phrase is some equivalent of protection or safety. And when we're evoking an intention, protection, and safety, whether it's for me, for you, for us, for the world, the system has the invitation to settle in some way that may or may not happen in your time frame, but it's why it's one of the traditional phrases. Really, they're all invitations to settle and open. Another flavor that's common in the phrases is happiness or peace. Yet another one that's common is something about the, the ease of well-being of the body or the happiness of the body. Um, when the phrases got translated in Old English, there are several permutations of it, but one of them was, uh, may I be free from danger, may I have mental happiness, may I have physical happiness, may I live with ease. I actually like those quite a bit because they're outside of the box of the language that I usually use in 2015, so they get my attention in a particular way. But for a lot of people, they go, mental happiness, physical happiness, so dry. Okay, so dealing with dry is part of working with phrases in metta. You can choose the perfect phrases and you'll still go through cycles of juice and dry. But it's nice to start with something that's juicy if you can. Uh, and so the fourth permutation is often something about ease. Uh, you know, it could be ease. Again, it could be peace. When I started metta practice, somebody suggested, I say to myself, may I live with ease? I said, then what the heck is ease? I don't think I've ever experienced that. Maybe when I was a really little kid. They said, maybe you should choose a different phrase. So as you can tell, I was a very fumbling early loving-kindness practitioner. I just fumbled like crazy, and, and truth be told, I didn't like the practice. So if you'd said to me 25 years ago, do you think you'll ever be teaching loving-kindness with passion to other people? I said, absolutely not. Um, practice works, things change, we grow up, I did. Um, so here I am. But it just means if you go through a cycle of not liking it, it's just a cycle of not liking it. If you go through a cycle of this feels like it's not working, it's a cycle of it feels like this is not working. Do you see what's missing there? What's missing there is the added meaning making and storytelling about me and my future as a meta practitioner. Okay, that's extra. We can just like do, 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 hit rewind and say, okay, I don't need to tell myself that story. I'm just having a difficulty right now. And in fact, Part of the process of practicing loving-kindness is that everything that could possibly get quote-unquote in the way of experiencing a full, robust loving-kindness, whatever that is for you, will at some point rise to the surface, stick its little head out, and go, look at me, look at me. So it'll look, it'll look like something like, You'll be wishing yourself well, and all of a sudden you're totally scared. You're wishing yourself well, and all of a sudden the sadness comes through. Wishing yourself well, and you just feel hopeless, helpless, or collapsing. Pick your flavor. And my real attitude about that is that the whole practice and this whole community practicing together is creating a field 
of metta. And out of that field, everything that isn't an ally for that metta, everything that quote-unquote is a difficulty in that metta has room to arise, be held in friendliness, be transformed, be released, or pass away due to its own causes and conditions. If you have any difficulty this next two days, and I would be surprised if you didn't have any at all, not one iota, please, if you can remember, say to yourself, this too held in friendliness. This too held in friendliness. Okay? So we are completely cheering you on. We are thrilled to be here. And I'm going to pass the baton to my friend Donald, who is going to keep going with this. These four practices of cultivating loving kindness or friendliness, compassion, um, sympathetic or appreciative joy and equanimity are our jewels. They're very simple practices where we work, especially as Heather was saying, with our intention coming out of our wisdom to cultivate the kind heart, to cultivate what we might call the kind and wise heart. And they are very simple and yet very uh, far-reaching and radical practices. They're, They're another expression of the radical nature of our practice, which is to, um, in a very simple way we could say, is to cultivate responsiveness rather than reactive reactivity. To have the responsiveness of our full being. It's a very uh, ordinary way of talking about coming out of freedom and love and wisdom. But that quality of um, having increasingly our moments be responsive rather than reactive is a very simple way to think about this. It, it's, it is radical. And it's saying that may my moment-to-moment experience increasingly be responsive. Another way we could say that in the context of this, this two-day retreat is may my moment-to-moment experience increasingly come out of the kind, awakened, wise heart. So it's radical. It's not just saying, may I have a little bit of kindness? Or may I sometimes have goodwill? It's actually a very ambitious, audacious, uh, and uh, deep intending. That is to say, may my heart increasingly rest in the kind heart. Or may may, may, may my being rest in the kind heart and the kind, wise heart. And so we undergo a training in a protected, relatively protected, safe environment, free of distractions, where we train in this capacity. And then we increasingly try to bring it into daily life. And the training, as Heather was saying, and as I said earlier, goes from cultivating these four qualities where we have most access to them, and then in the training context, bringing them into Uh, ways of practicing where they're harder, where they're not so accessible. For some of us, that might be in relation to ourselves. For some of us, that may be in relationship to so-called difficult people. And so this is is the training. 
We train in a protected environment, going from where it flows the best and bringing it increasingly into other parts of our experience. And then we bring it out into daily life. You know, and we'll, and we'll be talking about that. But it really, it's, this is, um, this is uh, seeking a very uh, deep quality of being where that kind, wise heart is increasingly there for us and where we remember the kind, wise heart when we have interpersonal difficulties, when something comes up where we tend to judge ourselves. As we train more in this, we break those habits increasingly. We break those habitual patterns and the kind, wise heart is more and more there. Why isn't the whole world doing this? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> I don't, that's a, that's a deep question. <laughs> um, very, 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 very simple, but profound practice. And it's the practice for all these four qualities is simply with the support of the community, each moment we have the intention to bring forth that kind, wise heart. That's it. We do it through phrases and we can refine those and work with those, but that's what we be, will be doing these two days, moment by moment, calling that forth. And sometimes it's there some, Sometimes it's there a lot. Sometimes it's not there. Sometimes we call that forth. We say, may I be, may I be safe and free from harm? And the comment comes, who are you fooling? You know? And we find what's there. You know? And that's, as, as Heather was saying, an integral part of this process. This isn't, uh, we like to say, a production practice. It's an intention practice. It's not like, I will sit here Donald, and flowing, gushing love, compassion, joy, and equanimity will come. Uh, It doesn't work like that. It's more we incline, and then we let whatever happens, happen. That's why it's a practice. It's an intention practice, not a production practice. It's it's like there's a well-known line from T.S. Eliot. He says, ours is in the trying, the rest is not our business. We incline, we do the practice, we let it be what it is, we keep learning. And so that's what, that's what we're here for. You know, another way of saying this is that we're learning to lead with our hearts, to learning to lead with our kind, wise hearts more and more. And for some of us, that's there quite a lot now. For some of us, we're still learning, or there are parts of our lives where that's really hard, or people towards whom that's hard, including ourselves. And so we can train in that. We learn to lead with our hearts more and more. So it's there more and more in all the situations of our lives, including the difficult ones. And we'll be talking about that, about that further. The practice also is a, a deepening in concentration because we're continually coming back to these phrases, you know, developing and loving kindness, compassion, joy and equanimity sounds great. Wonderful thing to do for these two days. What we're actually doing is we're repeating phrases (laughs) internally, silently to ourselves. And, and, you know, it's very possible and it comes with the territory that, you know, you know, 10 minutes into it, you say, what am I doing? (laughs) You know, and after a while, we find 
the phrases that tend to resonate, you know, that, and it's, uh, I, li- I like to use the metaphor, it's kind of like a knocking on the door of the heart. And sometimes the heart is asleep and no one answers, <laughs> right? Or sometimes something answers and is a little bit irritated, right? Or all these things happen and sometimes there's just no answer. Uh, but we, we, we keep on going. We let, we let whatever happens happen. Yeah. And we, we say these phrases. And as we do that, we also uh, develop a certain focus, a beautiful focus, where, which is really something we can take into daily life. We develop the capacity, a little bit like you know, with the shaman with the drum, one drum beat and the shaman's in a different state. Our phrases can do that. You know, our phrases, it's like we, you know, whatever, however we explain it, we, we say the phrase and just other neural pathways start up, right? And that's, that's how it develops. And we can really develop in this concentration where it can be a power. I like to say, practice 10 or 15 minutes of metta every day. And at your difficult moments, the metta will be there. You know, three in the morning, something really difficult has happened the day before. You're three in the morning. Self-judgment arises, very vulnerable. You can call a metta at that time. Or these other practices, self-compassion, or joy or equanimity. We can call upon them because the, this uh, repetitive practice builds concentration. I like there are some uh, wonderful ways to, to uh, clarify that. One of them comes from the philosopher Kierkegaard. He says, purity of heart is to will one thing. There's a certain beauty and simplicity of just staying with this cultivation of the kind, wise heart all day long. You know, it can take a little bit of time to kind of crank up the engine. <laughs> and we'll be giving pep talks as we do the cranking. <laughs> you know, it, can, it can take a little bit of time, but, but we'll also have periods where, it's, where we're in the groove, where it's moving, where it can be, we can have that sense. And something very beautiful at some level of our being, of knowing, I am cultivating the kind, wise heart. Even if the actual technique and practice has its challenges, this is what I'm doing. And it can really resonate with this deep intention that we have to, to uh, cultivate these qualities and increasingly to rest in these qualities. Maybe that's enough to say. And uh, let me now, we can keep the recorder on, let me now just actually shift to uh, giving the concrete practical instructions and we'll have our first silent period. So if you, if you need to just uh, shift a little bit, we'll, we'll sit for about, uh, I think probably half an hour or a little bit less than that, 20, 25 minutes. Yeah, so stand up if you wish for 30 seconds and then we'll, then we'll get going. Part of the support for the practices of the kind, wise heart is actually being very kind to our bodies. <laughs> and I'm feeling some sympathetic joy in watching people find the right cushions. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know. And metta practice, there are some practices, our mindfulness practice, some other practices where we sometimes stay with, with uh, unpleasant sensations in the body, sometimes for a while, and really investigate and then study that. Mostly with metta, we actually shift and we really keep the body fairly happy. So, these are two days to cultivate kindness towards our bodies, kindness towards our nervous systems, kindness towards our minds, our spirits. Okay, and so you can have the sheet in front of you if that's helpful, or in your lap. And as we've mentioned, we work in the practice with the internal silent repetition of phrases. We basically do phrase one, phrase two, phrase three, phrase four, phrase one, phrase two, phrase three, phrase four, dot, dot, dot. And the tradition has evolved such that it seems to be helpful to have four qualities that we are, in a sense, wishing for ourselves or for others, that these can express different nuances of wishing well. And you'll find, if you're newer or if you haven't done this for a while, that as we use the different phrases, they each have a different flavor. I remember when I was first practicing uh, metta or loving-kindness a lot, and I couldn't wait till I got to safety, for whatever reason. You know, the others had meaning, but as I would do the safety, something just went, ah, you know, something lit up. And you'll find that there's a little bit different flavor. We invite invite you to either work with the classic practices, and those were these four qualities, or these four aspects of wishing for uh, safety, wishing for general happiness, what Heather was calling mental happiness, or the early translations uh, signified mental happiness, then the something like health, or as much health as is possible, and then fourth, some quality of ease. Those are the traditional wishes. And how many of you have already have your own metaphrases? Right, so, yeah, and so you can really use those. I, I find I, historically, I've made some modifications of my metaphrases about every two to five years. And the ones I have now, I've, I've had mostly for the last four or five years. And I'll, I'll say the ones that I, um, actually two of them go back towards the beginning. I, I have, if you, when I say my phrases, uh, you'll hear two of the traditional ones and two that have resonated for me. So my first is, may I rest in the awakened heart. And by the way, you can use any of mine. <laughs> it's fine. May I rest in the awakened heart. May I be safe. And what's that? A little louder? Yeah, yeah. Well, I have everything set up right. It might be that we need the system to be louder. Is this a little louder? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So may I rest in the awakened heart? Um, Yeah, I think it's okay. 
Raise your hand if you would like an adjustment, a little more loudness to at least my microphone. Okay, so we're okay. So the second uh, phrase that I've used is maybe safe and free from harm, which is a traditional one. Then the third is may my body support my practice. May I be as, as healthy as possible. That's a version also traditional. And then the fourth is may I be held in love, which is not traditional. <laughs> and which, uh, which those really somehow something gets called forth when I use those phrases. So there is an invitation to see what phrases really resonate. We don't recommend if you're newer using all new phrases. It can be helpful to have at least two or three of something like the traditional phrases. But it also is possible to have uh, other phrases like may I be free, you know, may I be kind, may I accept myself as I am. Generally we want something that is somewhat general because in a retreat context, we, we will use the same phrases for all the different beings. So we can have something like, may I accept myself as I am, and that is relevant for others too. <laughs> you know, but we, so we, uh, we, we look for phrases that, are, that have some generality to them. May I, may I be compassionate? And you also don't have to say, may I. For some people, using the phrase, may I, reminds them of Catholic parochial school. Yeah, I grew up in a Catholic working class neighborhood. <laughs> you know, and you know, I, I could go into stories like that. People were telling stories, five-year-olds were telling stories of seeing the devils coming out of the sewers. And anyway, maybe later. <laughs> but uh, we, we want to uh, really use words that seem to resonate for us. So we don't have to use the word may I. Some people just like the simplicity of saying the, the quality, like saying safe and having a certain feel to it, almost in the body. And so there is room there. And if you're newer, you can experiment some, but we suggest settling down pretty soon you know, and having your choice. We, we suggest four is a good number. Um, some people sometimes have five or three, but four is a good number because it gives that variety. Okay. We'll start this morning working with three of the categories. And I'll just explain them. We sometimes call these the meta-muses. This is a phrase from Heather Martin from British Columbia. It's, an, it's a nice one that a lot of us use. Muses in the sense these are the beings who help us uh, deepen in our, in our uh, heartfulness. Traditionally, it was thought that the easiest place to start was with oneself, and then one would move on to the benefactor who is, could be a, a teacher, a mentor, an elderly relative, some being who is a force for good in one's life. It doesn't have to be a human being. Some people have their pets as their benefactor. You know, that is possible too. We want, uh, you know, I've sometimes done metta towards the redwood tree in my backyard. Right? So it doesn't have to be a human being. Um, and then the dear friend is, is typically a little bit more of a peer. For both the benefactor and the dear friend, we want someone towards whom there's almost entirely a sense of goodwill. We sometimes say, 
not a complicated relationship in either case. Someone towards whom there's almost uh, entirely goodwill, friendliness, warmth, that bringing these people to mind tend to evoke that quality of warmth, kindness, uh, connection for people. And so traditionally, as I said, it was thought that the metta towards self would be the easiest way to start. And the Buddha did not anticipate the judgmental qualities of the West in the 21st and 20th century, (laughs) especially self-judgment. And it can be strong. You know, we we teach a retreat entirely on transforming the judgmental mind. And so it's something we've, we've looked at, both personally and in working with people, quite a lot. And so for some of us, when we would start with metta towards self, it could feel like there's almost like a, a wall. It's just like, this is not happening. You know? And we want to be sensitive to that. We can experiment with it. Sometimes there can be a little bit of a wall, but it, it's not there after a while. But for some of us, we may know that there are issues or that there, uh, it really is not the appropriate place to start. In that case, we can start with the benefactor or f- friend and really be there quite a while before we come back to the self. The general training idea is that we start with uh, where it's easiest for the quality of metta and then the, later the other qualities to manifest. That's the whole approach. And so this morning I'll be giving instructions to start where it's easiest. It would be helpful to consider who one chooses as the benefactor or friend. And there may be many people who are benefactors or friends, but we actually choose one to stand in. One benefactor, one friend. And so if if you're newer to the practice, it's helpful to say, who will be my benefactor? Maybe just to consider that right now. When I practice, who will take who will take that role? And then who might the dear friend be? Generally, for the benefactor, we, we, and this is, this is uh, traditional, is it should be someone who is living. There are other ways we can actually develop the kind heart with people who are not living. But for, for this part of the practice, we suggest having someone who is living. So then in what follows, I'll invite us to start with either self or benefactor. And we'll actually, uh, I'll, in the practice, I'll guide us through and let us know when to switch. And we'll have a chance to go through, uh, I think we'll go through uh, all three of the categories, but if there's tremendous resistance, a sense of wall with self. We don't have to go there. We can stay with benefactor or friend. That'd that'd be fine. Maybe one last thing to, to say, and then we'll practice. 
Because the repetition is of phrases, and there's a verbal quality to them, it can be helpful to do some things which tend to bring about a little bit more embodiment and a little more resting in the emotional nature. So one practice that can be very helpful is keep the hand on the heart. I'm trying to put my hand on my heart but without putting it on the microphone. <laughs> and it can, it can be very helpful just to keep the hand on the heart. It's also possible to keep one's attention on the heart as one practices without the hand being there. That kind of resting in that area of the body in a light way can be a support for more embodiment. Another technique, that these are all optional techniques, another optional technique that can be very helpful is to have a sense of the being towards whom we're generating metta, whether self, in this case, or benefactor or or dear friend. And this can be done in a few different ways. One way is to have an image of the person. So we have an image of the person. Maybe we have the hand on the heart. And then I say the phrase to myself. And then I might let there be another technique is I let there be a little bit of a pause, maybe two or three seconds, four seconds pause, just to let whatever occurs occur. And then I go back, have an image, say phrase number two, let there be a pause or what we call an echo sometimes. And then I again have the image. say the phrase, let there be an echo, and so forth. Another way to have a sense of the person, for some of us, the image or the visualization can work well. For some of us, it can work better to have a, a, almost like a felt sense of what it would be like to have the person near us. And we can sometimes even have a sense of the person right in front of us. That's another kind of technique. We have more of a felt embodied sense Oh, here's this person. Here's what I feel like when I'm with this person. And kind of feel that in the body and kind of ground there. Then we would again say the phrase, let there be an echo and so forth. Okay, Okay. I think that's, that's enough instruction. Any immediate question that I'm not clear on this before we start? Yes. How many times do we do this? We basic what we'll be doing is I will do the timing and we'll work with each of the th- each of the three. We'll probably do about uh, four or five minutes each, but I'll I'll um, come and say when to switch. So then we otherwise we just keep with the practice. You know, one two three four, one two three four, and so forth. Okay. Anything else? Great, so let's then again find a posture where you can be alert but relaxed. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.